Welcome to Hidden Secrets to Leadership Success, the podcast that helps you be the leader you were meant to be. Our speakers are Hector McAhern and Steve Royal, both experienced leaders in their own right. They will share with you more about their careers and background as our podcasts evolve. As you will hear, leadership is a fascinating subject with literally hundreds of definitions. But the purpose of these podcasts is simple for Hector and Steve. They want you to be a better leader. No matter where you are now, what they have to share is vital to your future leadership success. So let's jump in. Here are Hector McAhern and Steve Royal. Welcome to this episode of Hidden Secrets to Leadership Success. We're delighted to have you join us today. And uh, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, one of those uh, characteristics that often doesn't come up uh, when we're talking about um, what it takes to be an effective leader. Uh, actually, it may be uh, one of those things that may never come up because it's assumed. And the assumption is that effective leaders will produce results. And uh, we believe that producing results is a characteristic of a successful leader, not a byproduct of a, a successful leader. And um, one of the things that we want to talk a, a lot about is how do you measure the success of a leader? How do you get uh, put definition on that? So we welcome you to uh, the podcast and uh, hope that um, we'll stir some uh, interest in and um, questions about the uh, the subjects we talk about. Uh, and so, Hector, I know uh, uh, we talk a lot about results, but um, uh, what's your initial thought about this subject? Uh, great conversation. Let me just say to uh, those who are listening to this that I sound a little nasal here, and I'm actually a little hoarse, so uh, it is it is me. This is Hector, so uh, <laughs> uh, forget don't forget that. Don't forget that. Uh, you know, everything that comes with results emanates out of how you begin, as far as I'm concerned. You know where you are going. You know what your vision is, and you know the direction that uh, will take you there. And it seems to me that you create a culture that sets a direction on how to go about getting there. And I've seen many instances where people, uh, I call it getting to a place and discovering that you actually intended to go in a different place. And that's the problem with making certain that the vision and the direction is very, very clear and how you go about getting to it is the opportunity to to move forward. Uh, as it relates to how you measure it, that is so important to me. And I think I think measurement is so critical when in fact it is so easy to get off course because it's so easy to get to the point. Uh, and I, I don't know if you've done this, Steve, but I've been in a place at times that I kind of knew what I was doing. I kind of knew where I was going and almost, um, I was going in a direction and I was surprised when I pulled back and started to observe 
that where how it was going is not at all where we agreed to go. So those are some initial thoughts about this whole idea of results. Yeah, it's uh, it is interesting. Um, and you say that um, many years ago, uh, and I'll uh, again, I won't give you how many years ago because it always adds up to a lot. But um, many years ago, um, a friend of mine um, actually. Uh, uh, when I was in the Coast Guard, he happened to be uh, working for a company out of New Jersey. And so while I was stationed in New York, he was uh, in New Jersey. And so we spent a number of weekends together. And he was a very successful salesperson for a uh, a company. And um, uh, actually, that sold packaging. Doesn't matter what it was. Um, but over the course of the next uh, several years, as I kept up with him, uh, he and his wife, uh, again, being very successful, they moved to um, uh, California, and um, this is the way he tells the story. He said they were out in California, and I think in Orange County somewhere out there, and uh, he was doing very well. He had the big house. He had the big car. Um, I think they had their second child while they were out there, and so things seemed to be going very well. But he told the story about one day, just as you're talking about, he turned around and realized that he had gotten to a place, successful place, without ever having a single moment uh, to uh, actually plan that. It just happened. He got out of college. He uh, uh, did his service requirement and then uh, uh, got working for this packaging company and did very well. He's got a great personality. But he ended up um, at a place that he never intended to be. Uh, so... Um, uh, the measurement was uh, he didn't need to be there. The rest of the story is they sold everything they had. They bought a Winnebago, spent the next six months traveling across the country, and he ended up back here in North Carolina where he was from, and he taught kindergarten and first grade for the rest of his career. Wow. Just recently retired from teaching uh, uh, in uh, in the elementary school system. So. Uh, that was the plan uh, that he had once he realized he wanted to play it. And so the measurement for him, and he, he actually is one of those guys that uh, could probably have done anything for anybody and been successful at it. So um, so when you, have, when you talk about uh, looking around where you intend to be, that's a, um, uh, that's a pretty good measure of, of, of where we want to be. So I don't know. So uh, that's just sort of maybe that amplifies what you were saying, or maybe that's different from what you were thinking. I think that's great. I think, and each of us must figure that out as we go through our journeys in life. And I, I have seen so many people struggle very, very hard with trying to figure out, uh, and the way they say it often to me is, what gift do I have? Mm-hmm. And then you get beyond gifts, what it is important to me. Now, I think, Steve, if you are running an organization, how do you figure out how to marry my desires with the desires of the organization? Uh, very often what happens is you're in an organization and People will admit in their organization, this is not what I want to do. Right. I'm just here. But this is not 
what I want to do. How do, how do you think about that in terms of helping run an organization? Looking at how we, uh, we measure leadership or, or the results that we uh, attribute to leadership, um, one of the things that uh, I have uh, come to believe is that um, leadership is measured not by the uh, success that you or I have as leaders, but rather it's measured by the leaders that we develop and the success that they have. And I think that's the, uh, the, the, the ongoing definition that, uh, that I would use is um, we really uh, are only successful to the extent that we, uh, we are able to develop other people as leaders. And um, because leadership is, is, uh, is not simply about the success that we have. Matter of fact, it's not at all about that. It's about the, the people that we have around us and how we develop them into being successful leaders. So I think that's the, um, the measure that I would like to use. But, you know, we can't forget about the, uh, the results that we're looking for when we talk about that as a characteristic. And so leaders have to be able to not only develop other leaders around them and that work for them, that work with them, but they also have to remember that um, we're paid to produce results. And those results can often be measured with the number of widgets produced, um, can be measured by financial transactions and those sort of things, or um, the success of, of a salesperson. All of those are things that we, um, that we will be measured by as, as leaders. But the ultimate um, measurement, I think, has to be that um, how do we develop others? So what's your, uh, your concept around that? Well, I, I agree with that, and I think at the end of the day, as a great leader, if you're going to become a leader who has the secret, that is the secret, yep. really building around you people who have the ability to actually be productive. And if you can make them productive, I think you can really go a long ways. And the results will come, right? which moves me to my little story I want to tell you, and it's called The Tale of the Golden Goose. Okay. There was once a farmer who bought a golden goose. A week later, the golden goose laid a golden egg. The, farm, the farmer was aesthetic. He cashed the golden egg and had a wild time. The following week, he finds the golden goose laid another golden egg. Again, he cashed it in and spends the money. This happened week after week until one week, the farmer just couldn't wait till the end of the week to get the golden egg. So he kills his golden goose and takes the golden egg out of it. He has another wild time with the, go with the money, but the next week he realizes that there is no golden egg, for he has killed his golden goose. And, of course, the moral of the story is, as you just mentioned, uh, <laughs> don't kill the golden goose right. to get the eggs. And leading people 
is that way. Regardless of how great you lead, you've got to lead in a way that you don't actually kill the one that's creating the outcomes. And that's uh, that's a Covey story uh, that that he, he talks about that how easy it is to take advantage of people when you don't have a culture supporting what we're talking about. And it's easy to get to a place that you really are really focused more on the results and the outcomes right. yep. than you are uh, the habit, the, the habit of doing it. Right. <laughs> well, that's... Um, uh, uh, one of the things that I've uh, I've noticed about uh, about folks is that they do get hung up on the measurement that uh, the the organization places on them in such a time that um, they can't really um, get away from that. That what happens is they uh, they get so focused on producing the widget, whatever the widget is for them that uh, they overlook uh, all the things that go into that. And uh, I know of a particular organization uh, that I'm familiar with that um, places very little value on leadership or their individual's ability to lead organizations, but places almost entire the entire performance review on how many widgets um, uh, get produced. And if the person who's in the job today can't produce those widgets, they're replaced and somebody else is given the opportunity to produce those widgets. So um, it's very frustrating to, to, to sort of look at that as a, as a results organization, although they would say that they are very much a results-focused organization. And... Um, but when you look at it from that standpoint, they're, what they're really getting is they're getting today's results. They're not worried about tomorrow's results. And as a result, this particular organization is struggling during a time of um, uh, of where there's other economic pros- uh, uh, profitability or, or prospect. Uh, uh, the um, This particular organization is now struggling. And so won't reveal who it is. Uh, obviously, that's not what we're here for. But uh uh, that's the, uh, the the observation that I would make, and that they're not um, they're not likely to come out of that sort of successfully. And so much of that has to do with, and we talked about this earlier when we talked about the secret sauce of leadership is the hiring the right people. Right. Uh, you could hire a person who is absolutely incredible at widget creation. But leading other people and teaching them how to do it is a far cry from them. So the idea of of just creating a kind of environment where people really get, I'm I'm actually leading you. It's my responsibility to make be a leader of you versus creating the widgets. And the other thing I've seen is there are people who create widgets so well that they'll get in there and create the widgets with you rather than lead. Right. And that's a real problem as well. Exactly. Going in there and doing the job and 
actually, in, in some instances, bragging about, you know, really saying, you know, I got it done, I got it done, I got it done. And the, the uh, response may be, you did get it done, but that wasn't your goal. That's not your job. And that's, that's, uh, that's another important one related to uh, that. Who you hire to do what? And right. that's important. Well, I think, you know, uh, we had an episode not too long ago with, uh, about uh, leading by example and one of the character, the characteristics of leading by example. And uh, the downside of that process is just as you mentioned, is that you can be so engaged in leading by example by going out and working on the floor or whatever the, the delivery mechanism is that you forget about the leadership component that you're supposed to, because the, the, the end, again, the end result is creating other leaders who can do the job. And so, uh, without, without being aware of that, um, you can actually end up, um, with good numbers, but, um, no one else around you can, uh, can do the job, but you, mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and that may feel good for a little while, but it's certainly not a way to grow the organization or to be, uh, to be an effective leader. Uh, so, um, yeah, I appreciate your story of the, the golden goose. Uh, what we really are talking about now, I think, is a process that um, I would call the development of a leadership culture. So, um, tell me, when, when I say leadership culture, what comes to your mind uh, uh, about that? Uh, well, first of all, when you say leadership culture, what comes to my mind is developing a leadership culture has to precede leadership behavior because you have to create a culture that exists in and among itself, the culture, to get people to deal with and do the behaviors that are required to get the results that you want. So I, I love the idea of we, we really have to work hard on how do we create a culture and a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, one is focus. Right. So if I'm thinking about creating a culture now, I'm not talking about making the widgets. Right. I'm talking about creating a culture, which I think is a very different thing. Right, it is. Uh, Definitely. Is I need to focus my attention on creating an experience, an environment that gets the results that I want, that gets at all of the things we've talked about. And uh, I think about time. I think about focus. I think about time. And I think about change. And I think all of those things are a part of a culture that you can create that causes people to respond positively. Absolutely. And, and those are the kinds of things that, uh, uh, that I think go into building this, uh, what, what I call a leadership culture. But let me give you an example of where I've, I've seen, and we can sort of peel back the onion on this example about why it works so well. Um, as you know, I, uh, I worked for a, a good while for BB&T, now called Truist. Um, and um, 
One of the things that was most remarkable about that is that going all the way back into the 90s, um, the leadership, the senior, the senior, senior leadership um, of first John Allison and then uh, Kelly King always had a focus on leadership. Um, and whether they would have called it a leadership culture or put a label on it like that or not, they always had a focus on it. So in, um, and I'm going to get some of the details of this wrong because uh, I, I didn't go back and do the, the research on it, but it's a true story. Somewhere in the 2008 time frame, uh, when we were in the middle of a financial crisis, the, the country was, um, one of the things that was happening is that the FDIC and the federal regulators were watching banks very closely, and those who uh, who were on the edge uh, were uh, helped to survive or helped to uh, the customers to sustain themselves. This happened to a bank, and I'm not going to use names other than BB&T, um, to a, a bank in, uh, in the South that uh, was very, very large, but was not sustainable in terms of its ability to continue to do business. So the FDIC, uh, which is the regulatory agency, contacted BB&T and asked them to assist in taking over uh, this particular bank. That was a common practice, probably still is, uh, within the uh, the financial services area. So BB&T uh, agreed, and they called in, and I'm going to use the number 25 of their regional presidents or uh, city presidents, city executives, who were most promising and part of their leadership team, 25 of them. And uh, they were called in on a Thursday and said, um, this is all secret, uh, and we're going to tell you that you are, you 25 are going to be the new executives of this new bank that we're going to buy over the weekend. It gets complicated, but, um, and so those, um, 25 individuals were told basically uh, what was going to happen. And they, on Monday morning, they were going to uh, be in their new offices, which covered everywhere from Florida to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So it was a broad span from, uh, uh, and so the bank covered all of the southern states, uh, uh, this new bank that they were, they were coming into. On Monday morning, sure enough, they showed up. Uh, and took over those 25 different regions. And I'm using 25. It was in that neighborhood. It may have been 30. It may have been 32. I don't remember the exact number. doesn't really matter because we're talking about the culture. BB&T was able to move 25 of their most productive people from their current jobs to these new jobs in new places that these individuals had never worked before. And then backfill those 25 jobs with other leaders who took over those positions. So in the, uh, the long run, what they were able to do was to, to using their, their leadership culture that, uh, as I said, John Allison and Kelly King had uh, developed, they were able to reach down into the organization and pull those people out. And never miss a beat, either with the existing uh, organization or with the new organization that they were taking over. Now, that's what I call a leadership culture, that they, they had the leadership. 
they not only had it at one level, which would be remarkable in, in and of itself, but they had it at multiple levels because they could backfill all of those positions, as you can imagine, the cascade that, that took place from that. And I've always thought that was probably the, the best example of uh, the results of leadership uh, and the characteristic of leadership because all of these individuals had not only produced themselves, they were known producers and, and known producing results, but they had also attributed to or contributed to the fact that those people under them were developed to the point where they could take over multiple different kinds of, uh, of issues. So the, uh, the leadership culture of BB&T was remarkable in that respect, uh, that uh, it covered that. Now, I talk about that because BB&T is now part of a larger organization and so forth, but I still think it, uh, it is a classic example of what it takes to, uh, to focus on results of, uh, of leadership. Uh, the results that they were able to do are not just the financial uh, numbers on a, a spreadsheet, but they were able to um, take over and grow an organization. This was quite a, uh, if I remember correctly, it was in the $10 billion size uh, category of a bank. So not, not insignificant by any means. Um, and certainly not insignificant to the customers and to the uh, communities that this that bank served as they were able to move and keep those doors open, really, as it went forward. So uh, I think quite a, uh, a results focus uh, as we uh, as we look at that. Uh, so uh, can you imagine not only how the customers felt, how the employees felt and how the BB&T employees felt having to go through that. And did you say by Monday morning? By Monday morning, right. That is, uh, that's pretty incredible. That's yeah. pretty incredible. And uh, I don't remember, I, 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 I kind of remember where you were talking about but uh, to see something that happen that quickly means that you have got to have a culture right. and a way of doing things that you can really integrate into other people in pretty quickly. Right. And they have got to get with it. Yeah. And uh, apparently they did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, and it was, it was successful. It was a successful merger. Um, they, um, they were able to integrate uh, uh, those people and, you know, and, and to be perfectly honest, I mean, I don't have all the details cause I was not, uh, it was not intimately part of the, the finished product of that. But I do know that, um, those organizations, one of the measures was that the organizations, those 25 or so people left never missed a beat. There was somebody there who stepped in and continued their role, their process when they left. So that was part one of that, that, uh, that process of, of developing, but also, so those, those folks who left had developed under them a cadre of, of people who could be successful as leaders. Mm. Um, and as they moved into the new role, the, one of their roles was to continue to develop leaders at that level. So they could continue that as well. So it, uh, it had multiple things. So the results of, of leadership, and if you want to contribute this back to 
John Allison and uh, Kelly King, what you uh, what you would see is that uh, at their very top level, the CEO and, and, and president of the bank were able to develop leaders to the point where they could they could tell the FDIC, yes, we can do that. Um, and we are, we will be successful at doing that. That's the, that, that to me is the remarkable piece. And then turn around and bring these people together, be successful at doing that and, um, um, and have the organization really not miss a beat. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was remarkable that these folks moved out, other people moved in, took over those roles, new roles were created in this new bank. And uh, uh, so overall, it was a, yeah. Um, a, a remarkable time, I think, uh, when we talk about leadership, because that's really what it was talking about. So they weren't; these were leaders going into the new new roles. That, were you there then? Yes. I, no, I, what, and and what 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 you said a couple of times is something that's very important to this discussion. Is you said I don't have all of the details. And when there is a strong culture, people in an organization don't have to have all of the details. Right. Because they know that all of the details are being cared for at the right place. Right. And and I'm certain at the right time. Because to do this and by Monday morning have it done, no, that's... The right things have got to be happening. Right. And see, I think a culture can be that way. I think a culture can be uh, positioned in a way that you can really accomplish so much. And Steve doesn't have to know all the details, but there's something about Steve that he trusts the organization and you were able to get trust in the other organization to make certain that results happen in the right way. Right. That's 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 pretty amazing to me. Yeah. It um, uh, it was an amazing time and an amazing pr- process. But I think this whole issue of um, uh, we, and we've combined I think the, a great discussion with r- results, and that's really what we're talking about. Is that one of the characteristics of a successful leader is that you produce results. But what we've expanded that definition to mean is to mean more than just how many widgets you produce. That's the the traditional way of of measuring things. But what we've done is we've expanded that definition to be what are the re, how do you, how did you accomplish those things? Mm-hmm. And the how to is much more important than the uh, the number of widgets that we produce or or that sort of thing. Because um, in this particular example, these folks were not selected. But, but because they knew how to make loans or um, knew how to uh, uh, balance a uh, uh, balance sheet or those sort of things. Now, they did they know that? Yes. But what they were selected for was their ability to move into a new environment as a leader, gain respect, gain perspective for, for what they were supposed to do, and create a new environment for this bank that was uh, was having trouble. So uh, quite an accomplishment, I think. And one of those that uh, I'm not sure anybody else has written up about it, but uh, we may end up uh, writing more about it. I'd like to do some of the research behind it and 
see uh, how the all that was accomplished. But just just from an observation, I was in the organization at the time. I I know it happened. Uh, I know people who uh, were there, and so uh, I, I think it's a pretty good example of, of what results for leadership and why they uh, uh, why they were successful at. It. And you know, the thing I'm thinking about with that is while all that was going on, they were still being measured quarter by quarter. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, that's one of the things that I've often thought about with with financial institutions is the whole issue of measuring them quarter by quarter and expecting them to get results. And uh, the outcomes uh, are pretty obvious how they measure banks, the banking community, to determine how things happen. Right. And what they end up doing, as far as I'm concerned, is operating in a fashion that causes you often to ignore the things that we talk about on our podcast. Right. Because, you know, uh, they want it done now. You got a quarter to get to get it done. Right. And during that quarter, we expect you to have layoffs and uh, save costs and that sort of thing. And uh, that's always been a problem for me. You know, it's always been a problem for me watching that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think um, uh, the the quarterly report is probably one of the things that impacts negatively uh, so many businesses um, and the things that they have to do. Because um, if you're really going to be successful, you have to devote time to. It takes time to develop the kinds of leaders that we're talking about, the kinds of leadership that we're talking about. Um, it's not something that gets uh, done over uh, a, a three-month period, a quarter of, of the year. Um, but so many organizations, and I think that's the, the, the remarkable, one of the remarkable parts of the story I just told about BB&T is they had been focusing on leadership for years, decades before uh, this event happened. Uh, and building that that process over time, and that takes uh, commitment by the senior management. It takes a commitment by those coming along that uh, this focus on leadership is important, um, and it takes um, a lot of energy uh, and, quite frankly, a lot of resources. I mean, it's not like that's an inexpensive process, but when you have this kind of proof that um, it can work. Uh, it certainly pays off in in the long run. So uh, I think it's a, that's why I, I tell the story, and, and I hope that um, if any BB&T people are listening to that, that I didn't get it too wrong. Uh, Final question for you. Do you think, um, in your mind, leadership gets the credit? I mean, we're talking here no. on this podcast about leadership, but do you think if you went back and looked at the organization, leadership would get the credit, or do you think it would not get the credit? What's your take of thought about that? Um, that's a great question, which you always do to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what I would say is these people that were promoted, that were part of that 25 initial people, were all would have all been considered 
excellent bankers um, in their uh, in their their sphere. Um, so they would have been considered bankers first, leaders second. That would be my my guess about how they. Uh, because in the final analysis, uh, the bankers, uh, being a, b- a good banker was what's required of those positions. Um, but being a good leader within that context was the second piece. So I would say, um, that what got, what got the, the credit in this case would have been leadership first, because that's what they were having to do. They weren't going out to make better loans. They were going out to probably evaluate what had been done, but not make better loans. And then to gain the respect and, and um, uh, commitment from the organizations that they were moving into, which were you know totally foreign to them. So I think leadership had to be a big component, but I will tell you they probably earned their initial spurs by being good bankers. So, and then learning to be good leaders. And maybe that's what all, all good leaders are. They, they learn to do the, the widgets first and then, uh, and then learn to be bankers or learn, learn to be leaders second. So, um, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. What, I don't know if you, that you got any observation there. Well, I, I, I have to agree, even though I would say that because of the people at the top, Kelly and those, they knew what was required. And even as they looked at bankers, as a part of that, they looked at leaders to get the results that they needed. Yeah, I I think you're right about that. Uh, So I I would have to say, they may say, yeah, we we got it. Uh, So uh, that's a great story great story well i think it's it, it's it, it's a great example of um i think of of leadership and uh, uh and commitment to leadership over time as i say this didn't happen you know happen uh one day and uh it wasn't uh program du jour of of leadership it was really the way the organization viewed how they develop people and uh, and i think that's uh that's important the uh, the other thing that uh, I think effective leaders, successful leaders, which is what we're focused on, um, have to remember that they are in fact paid to get results. I mean, I, I don't think we can uh, we can diminish that or uh, bypass it. Uh, I think what we're really trying to say is that leadership is a success in and of itself because you it helps you get the results that you're being paid to get. So because those bankers at the end of the day are going to have to face a, um, uh, a financial statement that says how they did that quarter. I mean, yeah, they got to make loans. and You got to make loans. Yeah. You got to do those things. So I don't think it's a matter of not doing that, but I think it's a matter of, of marrying, marrying the two um, into a, a successful process. So. And I think that's what, I think that's the message that we are trying to get across. And, uh, those who, who are listening, we would love feedback on your thoughts about this because very often we live in, in a society that thinks about one or the other. 
I've seen people say that, uh, Steve, you're too, too, you're too loose. You're too easy. You're not, you need to get hard, man. You need to get some, some blood in your belly or something. When in fact, um, what we're saying is you have to get results. A way of getting results is to do what we have talked about. And you can't go the other way. We just believe right. that our way gets the most results right. for the longer period of time. So as we talk about this whole issue of leadership, the secrets to leadership, it's not a it's not a one night deal. It is you do it and it happens well. You develop people, and over periods of time, you, you know, you develop more people. And as time goes along, you've developed many people, and all of them do what we're talking about well. Right. But you don't say, well, you know, you just be nice to people and treat them nice, and, and everybody will get along. That is not our message at all. No, no. Yeah. No, we, I, our message is all of these things are important, but uh, uh, leadership and the characteristics that make an effective leader uh, produce the kind of results that your organization needs for you to produce. I mean, I think that's the, uh, the end result, but that it's not all about uh, widgets and it's not all about um, the characteristics of being a leader. And so you have to be able to marry this. This is one of the reasons that I think we included in our um, list of um, uh, of characteristics of a successful leader, we included this results component because it is the payoff. I mean, it's uh, organizations, uh, whether you're profit, nonprofit, uh, whatever the there is a there is a result that you're looking for, and uh, effective leaders produce those results, uh, and they do it in a way that people walk off walk from that feeling good about that result, that that's part of it, whether it's uh, uh, standing up for uh, the uh, uh, the nonprofit that you work with or helping them be successful or whether it's uh, the biggest corporation and what they uh, what they do, it's it's the, the leadership component that produces the results. Which is one thing I'd say about that is uh, th- this podcast is as much for nonprofit leaders as it is for for profit or corporate leaders is that I have heard people say about nonprofit leaders, well, you don't work as hard and you don't have to worry about that. Uh people are just they're okay, but that's that's the second rung. <laughs> and uh yep. For those of you who are in the nonprofit world, we really want you to get angry about that and, <laughs> and shift that because the motive for nonprofit development and growth to me is very much the same as corporate. And the things that we are talking about here, you got to do it. You got to do the same thing. Uh, 
if you're going to be a great leader, whether it's in corporate America or if it's in the nonprofit world, you've got to have it. And uh, in each case, I promise you it will be challenging if you're going to do it right. Yeah, uh, it is. And um, when you mentioned that, I, uh, uh, I this is a bit of an aside, but I, I, I think it's important to what we're talking about in the nonprofit world. Um, we're very fortunate here in Greensboro to have a uh, connection to um, a, a nonprofit organization called Samaritan's Purse. I don't know whether you've heard of them or not, but it's the um, the Franklin Graham uh, charity. Um, and the reason it's connected here in Greensboro is that they happen to have uh, a, a big uh, operation out at the airport. Um, and uh, recently they've been very instrumental in getting supplies to the, the to the Ukraine and setting up hospitals and that sort of thing to help the refugees and all the things that are going on right now within that uh, that process and the the pure logistics of what they do is just amazing um, my nephew and his wife have spent the last couple of weekends helping them load the airplanes um, out at the airport to get those supplies to the Ukraine. And um, these are medical supplies and medical hospitals and that sort of thing. Um, it's unbelievable, but, but really amazing what, they, uh, uh, what they're able to do. And um, when I look at it, when I look at leadership, uh, I think about um, not only is Franklin Graham, and I think that's the face of that organization, but behind him there are operations people who are leaders of themselves, leaders of not only the staff that they employ, but leaders of these volunteers. I mean, my nephew and his wife are not experts at loading uh, cargo onto an airplane, but they learn and they're out there and they're working on it and and trying to be successful with that or being successful with that uh, and help that uh, organization. But that takes a leader to help them do that. I mean, you, you can't. Uh, you can't make that process without having the leadership there. So it, you're exactly right. If uh, uh, if um, there are people listening to the in the nonprofit world, uh, yeah, get a little angry about the fact that you may be overlooked or that maybe your job may not be feel like it's as important as others. It's absolutely critical, mm-hmm. and especially in times like this. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, and um, so. Um, any other comments about uh, the results for leadership and uh, how we how we approach that? Uh, none. I think I think uh, a great job has been done to talk about this, and I love your examples. And uh, I want to encourage everybody who's on this call to to get comfortable with uh, increasing your. Uh, leadership acumen so that you can get to the place that you really want to be in leadership. So that would be my closing comment. And I think that's, uh, uh, that's right. And we hope that people will be able to use these, uh, podcasts to develop, uh, the things that they want to do more with leadership and to be successful at that. So thanks very much. I've enjoyed the conversation today and we uh, hope that you will, uh, uh, follow us on uh, whatever uh, system uh, you find, Spotify or uh, Podbean or any of those. And uh, uh, if you've got questions, uh, please uh, send them to our uh, website and uh, we'll, we will uh, answer them in future episodes. Thanks very much.
That was great, guys. And a special thank you to our listeners. Remember, better leadership is your path to success. Please let us know how you like the podcast by giving us a five-star rating, by following us, or by subscribing to the podcast. Most importantly, please submit your questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes to our website, hiddensecretstoleadershipsuccess.com.